Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. Think about it like this. 2020 is nearly over. We are less than two weeks until Christmas. And we have a massive lineup of football coming up. Of course, uh, the previous match day, match day 11, is in the books. By the time this podcast has been wrapped up and it's hopefully out at some stage, we'll be in the midst of an English week. And then match day 13 before a one-week Christmas hiatus. And then we are back once again. It is going to be a busy time of the year, but it is the season of giving. And once again, we did see a few teams giving a little bit too generously. But some teams happy to take the generosity nonetheless. As ever, a part of the team at the Spider Bundesliga podcast, Eva Lotte-Bola joins uh, myself. Eva, welcome. How are you doing today? Yeah, a bit tired. <laughs> Last uni week is always very busy and I don't know which day it is or what time it is. So that's I, I just know that I'm right here. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was wondering if we can um, chat about the Bundesliga in general this week anyway, because um, as some of you may know, we have new rules in Germany from tomorrow on. Uh, but somehow uh, it doesn't really concern the sports section or professional sports. So football, handball, I think basketball and ice hockey will continue, um, which is a bit weird. But, well, it's one week until Christmas. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Got to give us something to cheer about. I can promise you it is the 15th of December, just in case you wanted to know. And it's a Tuesday. So um, anyway, enough about times and dates. Let's get into the action and... The game that we're going to start with uh, is Darmstadt and Hamburg. You look at these two sides who have been in a well, a bit of a rut. Darmstadt coming into this game had lost three of their last four, whereas Hamburg had lost their last three. It's a massive game for both sides. Hamburg in danger of losing touch with the top three. Darmstadt in serious danger of being pulled into the relegation fight. And when Simon Torotta scored after initially missing his penalty, saved by Marcel Schuen and tapping in... Uh, it seemed like Hamburg was on its way, except Tobias Kemper scored an absolute beauty of a goal to make it 1-1 with about 12 minutes to play. But as if Lady Luck was shining on the team from the north, it would be Hamburg who would get goal number two. Simon Trotter once again being at the right place in the right time to get his 11th of the season and Hamburg stayed just in touch with the top three. It means they remain in fourth. But on goal difference, they are just behind Valfield Borkham, who we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Eva, massive game for both sides, as mentioned just before. Um, and we really weren't sure what we were going to get in this one. Could it be a defensive calamity from both sides? Um, you know, Can Simon Toronto find his form? And what we did find is that Hamburg, within all the adversity they've been through, were able to get the result. 
Yeah, I think it's really a story of the two strikers here. I mean, we on the one side, we have uh, Seda Duzun, who didn't have a single shot on target. On the other hand, you had Simon Terodo, who had four shots on target um, in the total of six for, for Hamburg. And um, yeah, I thought that Hamburg's defending was in general quite good. I mean, we were talking about it last couple of weeks that you had the feeling that uh, yeah the stability in their defense wasn't really there from time to time and I thought they did do a good job here um, in general I think uh, Darmstadt only had two shots on target five shots on goal so that was quite good for for Hamburg although I mean that that Kemper goal was really really good he it's probably um his best season already uh, and we're only 11 match days in but yeah if you have a Simon Terodde I think he has 11 goals in 11 games now and five of them were braces or something like that I'm not quite sure um so yeah that's um they they do rely on him a bit um I have the feeling Hamburg is always as good as Simon Terodde is and normally they, they do have a lot of strikers who could take his place in a way that they are good good strikers as well. I mean, Terodde is a Zweite Bundesliga legend, no doubt about that. But I mean, people like Manuel Winsheimer do show this season that they can do it as well. So far, as far I thought it was uh, really important um, to get a win, not only get points, but to get a win <laughs> those five games with five consecutive wins in a row, then they didn't want a game five uh, match days in a row. We will see which uh, series starts now <laughs> with five. Um, so uh, we have to wait until January to see how this that one will end. But yeah, um, I thought Hammer did look better uh, throughout that game. So for me, um, I mean, I thought that the score sheet doesn't really... Um, yeah, give a lot of insight into how the game went. No, but I guess it's it's a classic case of sometimes the stats, and we love stats here, and we we can talk hours on end about the statistics. But the one stat that does matter is, of course, the scoreboard. And and Hamburg, when it mattered most, got it done. Um, and yeah, this as you mentioned, the Toronto stat is is telling. Um, you know, he scored five braces this season that is stellar 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 and a team that was very stellar although for a very short period but enough to get it all done was Valfield Borkham they played Paderborn and it was one two three punch in about six minutes uh, Robert Jules has seven goals this season he is Borkham's top scorer he has been utterly fantastic this season and Simon Sola as well he's got six for the season and Borkham after losing last week, you know, their form in the last five has been pretty good. Three wins, two defeats. Um, and they sit in third goal difference ahead of Hamburg. It was just a really good performance, either from, from Borkham, a good response. And it was the moment where, you know, after Jules got the opener, it just seemed as if Borkham were going to really, you know, t tear this game apart. And, and they did so. Yeah, uh, I had to laugh a bit because it seemed like they are going to copy what Kiel did to them on the Friday night before. <laughs> um, 
yeah, but very impressive performance. It wasn't only six good or seven good minutes by them. I thought the whole game, they didn't leave Paderborn um, a lot of room to do their kind of um, play. And for yeah, Robajou was, for me at least, the man of the match. I mean, he had uh, four key passes. He had two goals and... He was always, as soon as he got the ball, you could always um, yeah, see the Paderborn defenders being a bit afraid of what is going to happen next. Um, Asusi Monsala uh, getting back on the score sheet. And I mean, Bochum could have had five, uh, four or five in that game. Um, in my opinion, it was just a bit unlucky. Um, on the other hand, for example, Paderborn has problems in scoring goals. I would never think I'd said say that but here we go uh, for example uh, Prince Oseyavuzu came in I think 79 minutes into the game and he did not have a single shot on goal um, and if you want to turn around a game or at least get a point you should start getting at least create chances but they only had like um, I think three shots on target in in, in, the, in those 90 minutes Yeah, and someone who was Really, really good in the back for Bochum was Amibela Kochop. I think he had seven clearances and was, um, yeah, next to Maxim Leitch, uh, one of the biggest reasons um, Bochum didn't concede in this game. Yeah, the defence held up and they, they did a really good job of limiting the quality scoring shots shots for a, a you know pretty good you know, Paderborn side. I think, I think the one thing that stood out for me, that especially in that period where Borkham just turned the game on its head was the individual mistakes. You look at the penalty, it was a needless, you know, it was an unnecessary challenge from Uwe Hunemai and then he proceeded to make the next mistake which led to the solo goal and yeah, it's it's crazy how a game can go from, you know, it's still nil-nil and anything can happen to you in the blink of eye, it's you're 3-0 down and, and the game is well and truly out of reach and, and that's what happened at Paderborn and, you know, after going three games... Uh, with consecutive wins, they've now followed that up with three consecutive losses. So, I mean, that pretty much sums up Paderborn in, in the side of Bundesliga. They are, and in general, they are very topsy-turvy and uh, in, in the, the space of the last six weeks, they have very much shown that. Let's move to Heidenheim. They hosted Hanover um, this weekend and, you know, Hanover coming off that win, you, you expected them maybe to show something um, and they didn't. They were very, very poor, I felt. And uh, Heidenheim, with Christian Kulvetter getting goal number nine of the season, making sure Heidenheim took all three points. And it's really shown um, the resilience of Heidenheim, Eva, because after what was a very tough start, they've won four of their last five games. Yeah, they're coming back to their normals for the Bundesliga games. I mean, in my opinion, this game wasn't pretty to watch. Um I mean, it does mean that Heidenheim uh, has now 18 consecutive and undefeated home games, uh, so con- including last season, obviously. But I mean, Nova didn't have a single shot on target. Uh, they had six shots on goal, but I mean, um, it was just not what you would expect. I mean, their top players for shots on goal were Niklas Holt and Patrick Tsumasi. So 
a bit too less, in my opinion. Not only in my opinion, you can clearly see it on the score sheet. And I mean, it's going to be another tough season for Hannover 96, I think. Um, you could see that they don't have a lot of ideas going forward. Um, and as soon as the defense of the opponents does stand quite well, they do not have any creative solutions breaking through there. And, um, yeah, then it doesn't matter if you have more possession of the ball, if you don't create any chances or create anything significant out of that. So, I mean, even their corners, they had six corners and it didn't end up in one single shot on target. And, yeah, that's something we talked about last couple of uh, weeks that... Hanover fans aren't really happy with the way they use their set pieces, corners, and spe- specifically the the corners. So that's something they definitely definitely have to work on. Yeah, one thing that is they need to work on is potentially shooting practice. They had ten shots on goal um, and failed to actually test um, Kevin Muller. Yeah, I mean it's it's. It's that classic case of once you go down, it gets, you know, it's tough to get back up. The Spider Bundesliga, much like the Championship in England, you know, teams that get relegated um, to the Spider Bundesliga or the Championship, they find it very tough, even though the expectation is they should go straight up. I think you look at Dusseldorf as well, Nuremberg last season, um, Hamburg, who, you know, all you looked at them on paper and you're like, this team should rinse through the league and then they just they drop a few games and it just becomes oh it just goes all pear shaped so you know Hanover after you know being pretty ordinary and they continue to do so and you feel as if uh, the next two games for them are very critical and for Keenan Kokach because they um yeah, they don't get the you don't get the impression that the the the, the brass in charge of Hanover are going to be more patient if results don't turn around. Let's take our first break, and on the other side, we are going to head to the five goal thriller in Regensburg as Jan hosted Holstein Kiel. Holstein Kiel face all the pressure heading into match day eleven with the hope that a win would keep them on top of the Spider Bundesliga table. Their form suggested it was going to be a game of them securing the three points, and it was, although it was a bit nervy towards the end, especially when Albion Varenci scored an excellent goal to give Regensburg the opener uh, 17 minutes in. But much like it was last week, it was the Lee J. Sung and Finn Bartles show. Uh, Lee scoring twice in the space of five minutes with some pretty calamitous Regensburg defending, and then Finn Bartels with an excellent bit of uh, control and quality to make it three. Um, Jan Niklas Bester, who has scored his second goal of the campaign, made it very, very interesting to the late stages. Um, and it's interesting even because if you look at the, the, the really clear-cut chances in this game, you know it could have easily been more than 3-2, um, and it could have... It could have gone either way, but I think if you look at it from a kill's point of view, it's a good away win because Jan can be a little bit tricky at home. And yeah, they maintain their worthy status on top of the table. 
Yeah, I would say that especially after the 3-1, it more looked like he would score another goal. I think they had one or two chances to do that, but um, my end goal did found, find a way to not let that happen. Um, in general, I think the reason why Regensburg lost this game was because especially their central defenders didn't have their best day. For example, Jan Elvidi had a passing rate of only um, 56%. Um, that's not a lot for that position because normally you count in all the passes that come from the back and normally central defenders are around, I don't know, 80, 85, 90%. So you could see a bit on um, on why Kiel did win this because, yeah, the goals, especially I think the second one, was a mistake by um, by Elvedi. Yeah, and that Bartels goal was, was a beauty. I thought the way he keeps the ball and just looks out where he can shoot the ball into the goal was, was brilliant. Um, for Ringsburg, it does mean the fourth defeat this season, which isn't worrying, I think, because they picked up uh, a number of points on the way. But, um, yeah, if you look at the XGs, it's um, Regensburg do have the high amount. Um, but, yeah, in, in my opinion, Kiel is the deserved winner just because they are brilliant in, in as soon as they start scoring. And, I mean, those goals by uh, uh, Lee, for example, he can... They add goals to that very, very quickly. We've seen it against Bochum, and I think that's one of their biggest quality this season, that they really yeah, find ways to struggle their opponents as soon as they start scoring. Yeah, and it, and it can be hard in those situations, but one thing I will say about Kiel before we move on was just, just the overall feel. We, we spoke about it, most definitely last season when they went with Andre Schubert, then it was Oli Werner, and they stuck with Werner, and, and he did what he had to do for them to survive. But there is some interesting parallels to his predecessors, Tim uh, Tim Walter and, and Marcus Anfang. And this is the way the way they're currently playing and, and the, how tactically diverse they can be um, in terms of the types of personnel they can have on, whether they want to play Lee as a false nine, they've got Finn Bartels, those two can play up top, you've got Jan Serra, you know, they've got a good mix of players that can make them very, very difficult, and they've got good players in midfield like Alexander Muling, Jonas Merfert, they are a very, very good team, and, you know, they, they might not be the top scorers amongst teams in the top four, but what they do do very well is they're a very tight-knit group, and they are working to perfection at the moment getting the three points as you have to much like Fortuna Dusseldorf who at the start of the season they looked very much in the doghouse but they've now won three of their last four they beat Karlsruhe on match day 11 in fact Karlsruhe were the only team to start the round the match day in the top five that failed to win everyone else was able to pick up points uh Luka Franch Franich uh opened the scoring on 12 minutes uh, and then Christopher Pedersen, who was, for me anyway, the man of the match, um, for Fortuna getting the second. Uh, Philip Hoffman scored from the spot, and then it was a real clumsy mistake from Florian Kastenmeier, 
who then proceeded after giving away the penalty, which was a hero there, um, he proceeded to boot the ball into Rosette to his right-hand side, and he was shown a second yellow card. Really, really dumb mistake by Kastemeyer, and we saw Raphael Wolf, who hasn't been cited for at least... Probably the last time Dusseldorf were in the Svarta Bundesliga, I would think, was the last time we saw him um, actually feature in a game for Fortuna. Uh, he steadied the ship in the end, and it was three points for Fortuna. Um, it's an interesting one because you look at the stats, and they probably suggest that Karlsruhe should have won the game, um, but when it mattered most, you know, Dusseldorf scored goals at critical junctures in the game to keep momentum their way. Yeah, would fully agree with you here. I mean, uh, that Kastenmeier yellow and red card, it's so, so stupid. And you could see that his colleagues on the pitch were very angry with him. I don't know which um, player was running towards him after he got the red card, but it looked like he was saying, like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, do you want to lose this game? Um but yeah, as you've mentioned, Peterson was was brilliant. That goal was 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 a beauty, and maybe something Düsseldorf needs. Um, but once again, Düsseldorf um, did concede a penalty. They did concede a uh, well a yellow red card. So it's the story of uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf this season. They can't really stop that. But yeah, um, I thought. Karlsruhe's problem was maybe similar to the beginning of the season that they did have the chances um, but I mean they had more shots in target than Düsseldorf had that 7 out of 17 shots on goal and um, yeah similar to the beginning of the season weren't really good in um, converting them into goals but we have to say that Kastenmeier was good in goal I mean he saved 5 our six shots against him. Um, he, he was a good goalkeeper until that one particular moment. Um, and I thought basically Vanitsek didn't really use his chances. He had three shots on target, four key passes, so he was potentially Katsu's best player on the pitch. But yeah, couldn't really turn that into real chances or real goals. So that was basically the story of this game. Very unlucky for Karlsruhe, although I, I just want to say they probably can live with this defeat more than Düsseldorf would have. Yeah, and even and even like when you say like they can live with it, that they, they they're not really happy about it. But they you know, they had their chances and they just couldn't capitalize. It was Andre Hoffman who went up to um, Florian Kastenmeier and, and rightfully so because. He was so stupid. Just like we've done it, I can foretell my experience of conceding a pen, like not conceding the penalty, conceding the goal, and then getting a yellow card for time wasting and booting the ball into a playground. But <laughs> the context of that being is that a you, you, you that time will get added on by the referee because you know referees are much like elephants in the way that they don't forget those kinds of things. And then you put in a keeper who is cold, hasn't like been in the game whatsoever, and you expect him, you know, he needs to be immediately on it. And not that's not easy for a goalkeeper who's been sitting on the bench for about 80 minutes to just, okay, I need to switch on and things have got to happen. 
and yeah, that that I mean that situation could have ended really disaster, like very poorly for them, uh, and they got lucky in the end that they it didn't, uh, and they picked up three points. So important for Dusseldorf, it means they also leapfrog Karlsruhe, much like another team that leapfrog KSA, that was Nuremberg, who have the same form as. Dusseldorf over the last five, three wins in the last five, a draw and a loss. And they did it late in their, you know, their specialty kit, which looks rather nice, actually, um, especially with the gold print. Uh, Nuremberg 2, Würzburger kickers 1. Uh, Manuel Schaeffler got his sixth goal of the campaign on 36 minutes. Dominic Bauman was in the right place at the right time when Christian Matenia's parry fell straight into his lap tapped in from close range and when the game seemed close again Würzburg so so very close to to taking something from a game Askar Sorensen scoring a wide open header in stoppage time to give the club all three points statistically the game will say that Nuremberg were worthy winners but again I, feel, I get the feeling that Würzburg were in the game and had a bit of momentum to, to make things very dicey for the club but couldn't get over the line in the end yeah, I thought that in this game, a draw would have been deserved, especially, I mean, you always say that, especially if uh, that winning goal comes that late. But I did think that Würzburg improved throughout this season. I mean, you have to give Trares a bit more time to really put his style into the team. Hopefully, hopefully Felix Magat sees it the same way. Yeah, and I thought that especially Baumann could have had a second one. But on the other hand, I thought um, very early into the game, Lord Kemper had that um, that opportunity to open the scoring for Nürnberg quite early and misses it by like one or two meters above the goal. Yeah, and I thought that what this game really changed or what was the changing player was uh, probably Johannes Geis. I thought he, he was brilliant. He had the most um, key passes. He had the most successful tackles for Nuremberg, had a shot on target as well. So, yeah, that's probably the difference with the individual quality in games like this. I mean, for Würzburg, it doesn't get easier. They, they're they playing St. Pauli in this English week now. So this is really, yeah, a battle of the last in, uh, in this table right now. So they really, really need to pick up points there. And on... Yeah, on paper they're not the better team um, on the tables, table wise as well. But especially with um, yeah, the individual quality against St. Pauli as well. So they they really need to come from all the yeah you could tell a fighter quality, um, and they really have to get that going before the winter break. What a massive game that is, Würzburg and St. Pauli for many reasons. But back onto this game. Um, yeah, I think what we're seeing is is a good grit and determination from Nuremberg, and I really liked Robert Klaus's tactical approach, especially in the first half. It was all one-way traffic, and it looked like Nuremberg were just not only controlling the game, but they were really pushing the issue. And, you know, that's the classic thing about Nuremberg, is that they would they would get the lead and then just fall off a cliff. 
And they allowed Würzburg to work their way into the game. And as they were working their way through, they got the equaliser. And then it starts all over again. But overall, it's a good win for Nuremberg. Um, gets them up to eighth in the table after that really, really poor start. And, you know, things heading into the festive season may be looking a little bit brighter than they were before. Let us take our final break, and on the other side, we will review the final three games, and we're going to start with Sandhausen's game against Greuther Fürth. Our final group game starts in Sandhausen when they hosted Greuther Fürth on uh, match day 11. Let's just say that in the probably the nicest possible terms that Greuterfurt were by, were the better side and they were comprehensive winners. Three goals to nil. Julian Green, Jamie Leveling and Dixon Abiyami getting on the score sheet for a resounding win for De Klebat. Um, Sandhausen, again, I think what has become clear early on is while Mikhail Sheila wants to be more attacking... Um, their defense is completely capitulating like a deck of cards. And again, they've given up three goals. And yeah, it hasn't been the start that Sheila would have wanted. His opening games, you know, he's lost already three of his first five. And it's getting a bit nervous for Sandhausen. They've got one of the worst defenses in the league. And they only sit a point. Well, in fact, their only goal difference above Braunschweig in that relegation playoff spot either. It's... Um, Concerning times for um, Sandhausen, not only are they getting, you know, not only are they struggling to defend, but the results are just not happening. Yeah, their defending was really, really horrible, especially I think uh, that second goal, you have three players against one, I think, and nobody really attacks Leveling in any way. Uh, I think it was Leveling... um, yeah, that was horrible, and they didn't really improve that throughout the game. I mean, Zandhausen um, did have two shots on target, but if you see this, those shots on target, you would laugh a bit because they weren't that good. Um, it was Behrens who had those. I mean, um, Danny Keterwell tried to put his name on the score sheet, but that was just a horrible attempt. Um, I really did like Dixon Abiyama, who I think who came in in the second half and um, had a lot of fun playing. And I mean, he did have the goal. He had another chance for for Fjord as well. And, um, yeah, in general, I mean, Zandhausen did have good statistics. I mean, they had five key passes as well as Fjord. They had a bit more possession. They had an 80% pass success. But the mistakes they do are really, really bad. And then it doesn't matter how good you are statistically. You really have to fix that. And, I mean, you said he wanted to focus on his offensive power. But, I mean... That didn't work out quite well, I would say. I mean, they had seven to one corners. Didn't really make a lot out of that as well. And then Fjord this season is just very, very good in using the chances. They create themselves. They're being given to. I mean, you said it at the beginning of the podcast. 
it's the season of giving and um yeah i mean sandhausen did win that that game against würzburg which was very important for them to win but on the other hand you really have to look that you don't concede so many goals even if you know that you might be the and i mean we don't talk about worse or better sides in that manner because Sandhausen has been in the Zweite Bundesliga quite sometimes. They may be the, I don't know, Augsburg or Mainz of the second Bundesliga. Um, and for me, this is potentially the first year in quite some time where they really struggle not to get relegated. Yeah, I mean, it's the one concept with Sandhausen is no matter who's in charge, um, since they've been in the Zweite Bundesliga, adverse or not, they seem to find a way to survive. Um and there's probably nothing to suggest anything different, but defensively they are just catastrophically bad. Recently it's been... Like, I know it takes time for a new manager to come in, he wants to adopt a new system. As is the case with a lot of new managers, they, they want to immediately make their mark on this team. Um, but I guess the early signs suggest that the fit, in terms of the style of play he wants to, to sort of inject doesn't really suit this team if you if you be taking the small sample size they are just it's just not working because they can't they just cannot defend anything they play with the back three they had a flat four on the weekend um and they had no chance they were sitting ducks and the defending on a few of their goals was just yeah agricultural at best so yeah they they need a massive win they are away at Hamburg, and uh, they scored five last time they were in Hamburg, and they ended uh, Haasfeld's promotion chances. So they will be hoping for a repeat, although um, the way it's going, it's highly unlikely. Prove me wrong. Uh, let's move to St. Pauli and Erzgebirge Auer. St. Pauli have been in a wretched run of form recently. Auer, it's been okay. They've been up and down in mid-table where we kind of expected they would be. It looked early on that hour we're going to take all three points. Uh, Pascal Testrot and Florian Kruger getting on the score sheet. But much like St. Pauli did on match day one against Valfield Borkham, they turned it on in the last 10 minutes. Max Ditkin getting a goal in 81 minutes to get his second in consecutive games. And then just before the 90 was up, Simon Makinjok getting a goal to make it 2 all. It's quite interesting if you looked at this game. It certainly felt as if St. Pauli were better. They had a lot more of the ball. Their XG was up. Um, and they might feel a little bit aggrieved that they didn't do enough to win this game. Yeah, I thought especially after uh, their early goal for for hour, it looked like St. Pauli would strike back quite soon, uh, I thought, especially in the first half. Um, but they didn't really use their chances. And it's kind of funny if you look at the two goals for St. Pauli, those <laughs> those last eight minutes it looks like they they just needed a chance to score and they it's, it comes naturally to them and just look at those two goals and I thought it was a bit funny because they that was basically what was missing especially in the first half and even until that Kruger goal so I did had a bit the feeling that they always needed a goal to wake up a bit uh, and I mean, especially the first one comes quite early, but you did have the feeling 
kind of put them out of this okay we are going to see how this is going maybe a point maybe not and then they had to score um i mean this is the i don't know third time fourth time zank pauli came back after their opponents were at least one goal up i mean we've seen it against zank pauli um, very early into the season so yeah um I said that before, this is not going to work for the entirety of the season. We've seen it a couple of games before. Um, they have the quality. I mean, uh, Lawrence and Kiri hit the post as well. They did have to go up against a very good Martin Mano once again, um, I thought, in my opinion. Um yeah, and uh, one one player I want to yeah really really put a spot on as well is uh, Dashna. I thought as soon as he came in, he had three successful dribbles for Zang Pauli. He was in in just ten minutes, so you can really see he was he is potential one of the players who can can really make a difference for uh, Zang Pauli going forward. Yeah. It was interesting. I love that Timo Schultz was very brave in his selection. We saw uh, Sven de Brodersen get his first start of the campaign. I thought he was quite good in goal. We know that Robin Himmelman is he's a feast or famine goalkeeper. You know that you're gonna, he's going to, at some stage, produce some very poor performances. And we did we have seen that this season. Um, and I, I love the fact that he brought in one of the United players, uh, Igor Matonovic. Thought he gave them a good bit, of, you know, a good spark up front. He didn't score, but um, you know, one thing he did do very well for me was he provided a different sort of angle and a different form of attack. And I and I like that when you know things aren't going well, it's easy to almost convince yourself that it's the old hands that will pull it together. And in truth, it can be, but it, it's very brave for a manager to be like, okay, I need to just mix it up a bit. We know they've had trouble um, consistently scoring goals. They've got 15 goals this season. It's not the worst in the league. There are teams that have scored far less. One we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but I just like the fact that he was brave enough to go with Matonovic. And, and I thought he was quite good in his debut. And hopefully we'll see more of him in the future. Um, and that leads to our last game of the podcast. It's Braunschweig and Osnabrück. Uh, Osnabrück coming off that defeat, um, Braunschweig coming off a victory, and this game was as one-sided as you could ever see. If you watch, even if you just watch the highlights, it's just Osnabrück. It, Osnabrück was so far the better side, and they did so in relative ease. Sebastian Kirk getting his first goal from open play, believe it or not. Um, he's just, geez, he's, he's been good for them this season, and he continued to do so. And Maurice Maltalp, who was at Heidenheim last season, much like Timo Beerman, getting on the score sheet as well. And, um, you know, Osnabrück getting back into the top five. They, they uh, them and a bunch of teams went past Karlsruhe. They're in touch. If you look at the top five at the moment, three points separate. And then it's from fifth to about ninth, about tenth is, is three points again. The league is evenly poised, but Osnabrück very, very good on this day. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, and especially um, Eintracht Braunschweig really has to look out for the first 15 minutes. I mean, I think it's the fifth time in a row that they concede a goal in the first 15 minutes. It's really hard to always 
build up your play when you're always one down and it's only 15 minutes that has have been played um but i yeah i would fully agree i thought as osnabrück was brilliant in that game i mean they they were brilliant defensively as well did not let um Braunschweig have a single shot on target only on six on goal um and they had plenty of opportunities to to make it more than two on the score sheet. I mean, you mentioned Moldhaup. He had three shots on target. Bearman and Idini had two each, and Kerk had one, and that was the goal. So you can really see his quality this season. And I mean, it also shows the had the difference in those two teams i mean osnabrück does not only use their chances but they create a lot they had 10 shots on target in this game um they might be even a bit better that they that was only a 2-0 yeah for for braunschweig this is a very difficult season i think um it's the season many braunschweig fans expected but on the other hand, um, yeah, they really, really need to put emphasis on those first 15 minutes. Yeah, and the biggest problem is if you just looked at the table and you're like, where can I quickly identify issues? They don't score enough and they concede too many. That's that's the, the lazy man's interpretation of their problems. Um, you just look at the way that Daniel Meyer wants them to play. They like to play back three try and build from the back very you know that's the way he wanted his hour side to do do it and our couldn't do it and that's why they eventually released him for Dirk Schuster um and and you know again it's a small sample size they've played 11 games but maybe it's time to question the fit because it's not really working yet we knew I think I think it's I'd be unfair to say okay it was going to be an easy season for them because obviously it wasn't their goal was to avoid relegation they currently sit in the playoff spot three points clear of St. Pauli in 17th and just you know four goals in arrears of Sanhausen things can change but you just wonder if um, they just lack the individual quality all over the pitch to really contest um, you know, they play Paderborn and Furt, uh heading into the Christmas break. They are some, some tricky games for Braunschweig and, and they need to pick up something. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, they, they will need to get some sort of points heading into Christmas. Otherwise, you do wonder, you know, does this team have enough to survive? And that's something we'll have to look at as we enter the latter stages of the season. That's it for another episode of the Sparta Bundesliga podcast. Thank you again for listening to the only English-speaking podcast uh, talking about the the People's League, the Sparta Bundesliga. A uh, big thank you to Eva for joining once again. And until next week, we won't be doing a podcast for the midweek games, but we will be doing one for the final match day, match day 13, until we hit the Christmas break. And until next time, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next time.